Hey guys, we're here on episode three with Richard and Mark. Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure thing. So nice to meet everyone. I'm Mark, CEO of DigiBridge. I've been full-time in the DeFi and NFT space for the last two and a half years. Been such a crazy ride, have not taken a break, not even one vacation day. It's kind of hard when you're in the space. <laughs> you got to always be on the ball looking at the latest trends. But we've been working with amazing projects. And again, the people that are in this space are amazing innovators. And I just can't wait to see this space evolve into what it is today. Right now, it's getting pretty hectic, but I see a lot of crazy and amazing stuff happening in the future. So I'm just happy to be a part of the ride and really happy to be here too. So I would love to also take it over for Richard. Hello, all. it's a pleasure to be in your orbit. My name is Richard Schleifler. Uh, I'm the founder of several marketing agencies and the Marketing Foundation. Um, with 20 years of experience in the space. During that time, I was a leading Google partner, managed millions of dollars of data, ICOs, all the way to now. I am also known as the NFT Art Gallery, and I have you know a collection. It was one of the biggest in the world at one point, but long story short, I have Deep Alpha. I've been joining right here with DigiBridge, and I, I can't wait to share with you all today. Pleasure to meet you. Awesome. Strong intros. And then obviously it's me and Rohan here as well. So first of all, I think let's just address the elephant in the room. Web3, crypto, NFTs, all that kind of stuff. This podcast isn't going to go into like the sustainability or whether crypto is good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent. We're just going to speak about the challenges that come with marketing Web3 and crypto. You obviously can't spend money in terms of ad spend and paid media on a lot of big outlets like Facebook, Google, that kind of thing. So we're kind of going to dive into what sort of challenges you've seen in the in this space and, and how you've kind of combated that. So, Mark, I guess let's start with you. What, what are the biggest challenges when you have a Web3 project that you're marketing? Sure. I think right now the biggest problems I see a lot uh, in this space, too, is uh, transparency with a lot of the projects and the project owners and into their communities as well. And also when it comes to that, actually strategizing marketing plans and ways to develop the project for the longevity and longer term vision that they set out to strive for. We've talked to a lot of project owners and some of them want to just jump right in within like two weeks things and, and getting into that. So I think this space still, uh, you'll see it now and it's already happening, but it needs more regulation and more time to mature, but it's already happening. And we're in this cycle where now you can finally see the people who are really in it to win it are going to be building while everything is going chaotic in this space like it is today. So that's really a lot of the, the some of the challenges I've, I've been seeing was more so of, of the long-term planning and vision. When I was introduced to some of these projects and even invested myself into some of these projects, one of the things that I noticed was when they set out their white, white paper, a roadmap, they would plan a lot of things that were quite unrealistic to their timelines and the team and the resources that they had. And it ended up creating a lot of pressure, not only on the team to fulfill those needs, but it dwindled the community. And again, community is a cornerstone of, of Web3 marketing. You, you really need that. And that's just one I've noticed, at least in my time here in this space, both on the DeFi and that's the awesome. side. And Richard, I guess you're still in like the day-to-day, -day, like in the trenches, as it were. What's your thoughts? Yeah, coming from a background of Fortune 100 serving like a, a hub, dealing with all the different services, I'd say that the biggest change or the shock that, that came from entering this industry was how personal and intimate it is, right? So it's so demanding. It's not like digital and traditional marketing. Like you really need 
to have a well-run Discord. You need to have a great strategy. You need to have a future-proof community solution that's sustainable. And again, you just like Mark talked about being realistic. Expectations need to be managed effectively and shooting for the moon, the game, all these great things. That was cool last year. That was cool last season, right? But now too many people have been hurt. Too many people have been let down. Too many people realize, you know, hey, whoa, you know, I get into these projects and it's like, what? Did you guys know that a game, it takes a year, it takes millions of dollars. Who would have known? You know, everybody's like, whoa, we didn't, we didn't realize that. We thought it was going to, you know, like these. So we're seeing a lot of things where like when, when individuals come to us anymore, the biggest things is that we are, I would I'd say demanding. So it's, it's what do you have that we can show the audience that we have? What, what's work in progress at the very least? What do we have that is going to help differentiate us? Because our goal is to give our clients a long-term, sustainable, competitive advantage with high barriers to entry that's hard to imitate. We want to bring them into blue water. And then also, just as you said, in a lot of the markets, just as crypto NFTs, it's very hard to target the segment, especially crypto. And we really like, we appreciate being cloaked in the shadows. That's part of the cool thing about crypto. And so the email list, a lot of these things right now, at least it's nearly impossible. So basically what we're doing is we're helping our clients time travel. If you will, we kind of, a lot of people will be like, Oh, time travel. But what I mean by that is, is using data. There's a lot of projects, a lot of things have happened. The scene is new. But really, it's been people moment, the transformative moment. About March 2021 was, was when really everything happened, when, when the heartbeat came. And so there's a lot of projects, a lot of winners that you can look at, right? Because there's nothing in marketing, traditional, all these different things. The algorithms are, are discrete, right? It's, it's a proprietary knowledge. So the only way to really get to this knowledge is to reverse engineer the winners. So and just, we, just for those people at home that don't know too much about this space, can you explain who or what Beeple is? And why Beeple, that was like a game changer? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Beeple, he's an artist out of New York and he, he's known for his everydays. Every day he, for, I don't know, it's like the past, I don't know, like it's it, many, like, I think it's almost like two decades or it could be two decades that, that he's been producing art every single day. And what happened was March, 2021, around there, he actually sold one of his everydays. I think it was $65 million. And, and that moment when he sold those, uh, I think it was a collection of what he did over a span of time. And that moment was what really, including myself, that news story is what a lot of people say gave the, the NFT scene its heartbeat. It came to life, it started breathing. I instantly after that, believe it or not, sold my crypto, came in and invested wholeheartedly, bought NFT, bought so many URLs, saw the future because digital marketing, we're all using stock images. We're Adobe stock, we're buying a lot of these things. That's really you know, kind of like an NFT. I mean, you can clearly see the NFTs, but. So going back to the data side, looking at uh, some of these amazing artists that are your collections. So whether you're a PFP or an artist, different segments, different things, but you can look at the data and, and you're able to see what, what did these individuals do to actually win? So as far as the customer's journey, matching all the, mapping all the touch points, what, so effectively, you know, what I mean, again, by time travel is we can look at all this data and then the further you go, like some of these industries, longer it grows, you're going to have bigger stances of data. And this data costs millions of dollars a lot of times to get and took years or as, as long as you can have from that, you can figure quickly see, okay, these are the low hanging fruit. These are the areas where if we fire the laser, we're going to get the biggest results, right? So that's what we're doing right now. So effectively what you say, a lot of clients, they come in and they do this, the, the shilling, the influencers right now, all of this. We're having an evolution. There's influential lists out there, a lot, a lot of things going on. When that happened, that's almost like fireworks, if you will. You know, it quick, 
boom, it goes up, but then there's nothing there. A lot of these people went to quick gains. There, there was no data. There's no substance. A lot of these people, when they come in, they, they go and do the showing, they do the influencers, and they say, oh, the audience becomes numb. They say, oh, wait, it's not working. What do we have? Well, you're, we're supposed to be working on marketing all the whole time. You should have actually had it before you came in, right? Shillers, yeah. they were like a sprint. You know, the influencers and people, if, if you're going to use influencers, make sure that they're really people that believe in your project. They really they love what you're doing. They're, they're invested. And so we're coming in and helping a lot of these people now, making sure that they have what they have. And if they're going to do influencers, putting the data there, conversion code, tracking code, pixels. I love how passionate you are about this. And you mentioned a couple of things in there. I think, Rohan, so you have a subreddit, right? You have a subreddit of like 30,000 people or so. How long did that take you to get from zero to 30? I think I, I never saw it when it was zero. I took over from the time when it was 13,000 already. And now it's uh -huh. approaching 30. And it took us like one, 1.5 uh, years to do it. I was working for the founder of Reddit's most popular subreddit, Wall Street Bets. And Wall Street Bets has their own um, uh, decentralized app. And I was working on their Telegram, Discord, Reddit, social media and stuff. And with community building, what I've realized is a lot of these projects want instant results and sustainable marketing just cannot do that, right? And when I first entered two years ago, the DeFi space, I was overwhelmed with the usage of bots. I would go to Twitter and see so much bot activity. I would join the squads and know that, okay, only hardly 5 to 10% of their users would be active because they were adding bot accounts as users. I think the biggest challenge right now is to educate the space that projects would have a longer run if you do authentic marketing. I think that's the need of the app. Yeah, and I, that's what I wanted to touch on, that speed. So Mark, let's say you have a decent-sized budget, whatever that is to you. What do you do? Do you go and build your own Discord? Do you borrow space in someone else's? How do you go about building that community and something like, especially with NFTs, I suppose that a lot of the time you have these peaks and troughs and the sustainability is another aspect of it. But how are you building that Discord quickly enough to, to generate it? How does it work? Yeah, so it's, it's both where we can either create it for them and manage it or they have obviously their own resources that they can use from. When it comes to building out the Discord, what we like to do first is obviously, it's all about the story. Storytelling in this space is incredibly huge. And so when you are able to utilize that to your advantage and leverage that, and then start to onboard that community onto your socials first, and then get them right into your Discord and start to fill, funnel it out from there. When there's a lot of projects out there that say that they're community led, Sometimes they're not. And that's one of the problems that we're like, that we like to see is, or that we tend to see is they label themselves as community led, but they don't even involve their community into any of their decision making. A lot of the projects like to partner up, but they don't even leverage the partners themselves too, to an extent. And they kind of just let that, those relationships dwindle. And so the strategy of getting everyone together and creating a huge organic push and PR kits to let the community help us guide it. Richard, I can see you're like, you're ready to jump in on this, but you mentioned before about influencers, and I think that's kind of leading on from what Mark just said. Like, So how would you go about finding an influencer? Because I have some experience in this, and we were trying to find a, a crypto email newsletter to sponsor. And A, it was super hard trying to find anyone. Like, There was no links to actually advertise. Mm -hmm. um, and B, it was hard trying to find like the product market fit, I guess, of like how our product fit into their newsletters. Like, 
I, I guess it's a new community, so all these tools haven't yet been built, but how are you finding influencers and how are you making sure they, they fit with your brand or your, your so, crypto project? Crypto and NFT, I mean, you know, they're similar but different. In the crypto crowd, influencers, it's much easier, but when you come into the NFT scene, obviously a lot of the influencers are either going to be really big collectors or huge artists. And so there's a lot of brand protection there. It's not business. It's not transactional. It's more of a relation, right? It's, it's about relationships, about finding people that really truly identify and believe in you. If you're looking for an influencer, like how, how are you trying to find them? You have to look at obviously their audience to begin with. And if they even integrate or fit with the values of that brand. I think the, the biggest thing that you can look at is a bunch of your competitors. Look at what influencers they are utilizing and reach out to them too. Obviously there could be some conflicting stuff and you want to be careful with it, but it's just one route that you can go. One of the, one of the biggest problems that is happening in this space still to this day is that there's a lot of fake influencers. You can see it on Twitter, especially too. People are buying verifications and there's a lot of scams that are going on because they're able to buy their verification badge, promote stuff and then scam people over it. And it's really, it's really scary. So making sure you properly vet your influencers is a very crucial thing and making sure the engagement's real and that they're truly trying to build a community of their own, right? Not just trying to have a direct response thing where they just give and take, give and take, but they're just all about giving, 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 and really not about the taking part and just looking to help their audience grow and to nurture them and to inform them on things like that. Um, it's truly something that I like to look for. And also micro influencers, a lot of people like to look at the big numbers and oh, it's going to be huge, but Again, there's a huge, uh, huge benefit to using micro influencers. They have such a tight knit audience that you can utilize from, and obviously they're more engaging to an extent. Um, and so, making sure that um, you can also search up certain keywords too, and seeing what micro influencers and macro influencers are saying those keywords, and kind of talk to them, and even offer them NFTs or do all these other things to kind of entice them to join your project and to really be a part yeah. of that vision. The, the one thing I'll say to that too. So, aside from influencers, we'll find keywords that are responsible for large proportions of their traffic. These are what we need to build in because because what they also do is building the scripts, right? What do they say? How do they say it? How do they promote? Like there's a lot of things that you can say or, or coaching, make sure that these keywords are mentioned, right? Because these have the biggest impact, the market reacts. This question could be asked for any niche, I guess, but like, are you just targeting then crypto influencers or are you at any point trying to like broaden the total addressable market as well? Like, are you just going for those crypto influencers and Web3 influencers to target Web3 people? Or are you at any point trying to, you know, spread that brand awareness and, and push the boundaries on, on who it is? So I've seen a lot of um, a lot of pushback from using like Web2 influencers to an extent where, and the reason why I say that is because take into account that you have an influencer uh, that's on the Web2 side, you know, that has an audience and then they're promoting a Web3-based product or service. No one even knows how to hell to set up a MetaMask wallet or how to even get on the Coinbase or do any of this stuff. And so that's like one of the um, problems that I see. Projects use large celebrities to promote their product and it flopped because no one in their audience even knew what, what that was, what the project was about, what, what their goals were. They didn't understand any of it. And so I think in this moment, if you have uh, obviously an audience or, or have a celebrity or an influencer um, that is actively uh, educating their audience about crypto and Web3, then it's okay. But other than that, I think right now you, it's more so on the lines of using the Web3-based influencers and then having the Web2-based start to educate more and more over time as more and more people start to be onboard into this space. Making sure that, that you 
are educating, right? So we're seeing the same thing as in crypto, especially in NFTs. Taking the masses, educating them in a lot of campaigns and stages, right? Over social media, walking them through week by week uh, to the point where they're actually, you know, using a MetaMask, doing a transaction. That's the biggest thing is, is, is educating the market, building the bridges for the masses to onboard and dumbing down, trying to eliminate or reduce the slope of the learning curve as much as possible. Yeah. So as long as they're, they are educated and well-informed of, you know, what they're investing in, I think it's totally fine to involve all kinds of influencers. Yeah, there's actually a rap star that made a, a really amazing song about 20 years ago. It's a, but everybody knows the song when they hear it. They know it, but if you say the person's name, they don't. And so what this project, the founders, they were older, they're, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, I, but they were even a little older than that. But for them, they were like, oh, we get this guy. Oh, my God. Because they were kind of going back to the past and how big this was. And they didn't realize they got the guy. They did everything great. Oh, my God. He even wrote songs for the – oh, my God. It was shivers. It was amazing. But the biggest thing is, again, you don't nobody knows his name. So they went in thinking that we're really going to get this big celebrity, going to do all these things and have it all centered around. And they found out, oh, my gosh. When they went to activate this community – the community, like there really wasn't, I mean, the community's like, you know, it was 20 years ago when this guy, <laughs> so, so with that, we're finding ways again for, for influencers right away. One of the strategies was like, get somebody hit now. And again, the, the song, you know, the song you hear it, you're like, oh, and then, so what we even see here is how can we again do a service to both sides to elevate and we're seeing already, I think we're going to bring this guy, this guy's going to be second round again, here we go. But, but pairing him with an influencer and having that bridge again, to the masses and having somebody cool now pairing with somebody cool in the past and kind of um, giving the peers, giving the peer approval right to the audience. That's, you know, the same, exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly where we're going. Okay. So let's say that, um, you know, hiring a, a, a faded rapper or a rapper from two decades ago, isn't the best way to spend your money. What do you do if you don't have money? So let's say, let's take it to the other extreme and say, um, if you only have like a thousand dollars or whatever, and, and you want to get your web three project off the ground, what are the best ways or, cause this podcast is for growth hackers, right? So a lot of the times they don't have a lot of money. So what, and we make this a quick fire round if you want, but what are the best kind of tips that you can give someone that's looking to get their project off the ground that doesn't have a million dollars in altcoins in the bank? So I, all right. Yeah, so um, there's organic is a very great way. And, and one of the things that a lot of people do is Twitter spaces and getting yourself out there. Content is, is, is very crucial and storytelling is very crucial. And making sure that you have a really good vision is first and foremost, the best thing. This space is just starting to get regulated. And so there's a lot of things you got to be careful of. Um, and so when we see projects that have a very low budget, but want to create tokens um, for their NFTs, for the communities to do this and that, and also stake the NFTs to do this. Um, there's a lot of legality stuff that can come from that as well. They got to be careful. And then starting everything from an organic standpoint, like you, like you guys mentioned before, and like what we've seen with a lot of people is that they want to get, they want to see quick results really quick. And I think that's just like the mentality of the crypto uh, scene, since everything is so just like quick and, and <laughs> like that, um, where people want to see instant results. But like you said, Building communities take time. And so really selling the people on your vision and your story is very crucial in the beginning stages and just in longevity in total. Um, so starting there and really getting your your uh, your personal brand or just brand in general out there, getting those like thought leadership um, pieces and stuff like that is very crucial because, um, again, 
a lot of these project um, founders don't put enough attention into also that personal brand standpoint. And it makes a whole difference when you can start building your own brand and then also carry that over to your community and start leveraging that from there. Um, but again, it's a long process. And if you don't have as much money, do a lot of research and find people that can also mentor you and who have created successful projects in the past um, for guidance and advice. I don't know if Richard wants to add. Yeah. Else. I mean, I, I think, you know, you hit it on the head there. If you're bootstrapping, you're coming into the game, you know, you have an NFT project or you're an NFT artist, right? You're coming in, you got a thousand dollars. The biggest thing, you know, obviously you want to get a website, you need some kind of marketplace. Uh, and that's something, you know, where if you're going to do it yourself, great, but you know, that's something at the very least I wouldn't skimp on. I mean, you could probably, you know, if you shop around, you might find somebody that really believes in you, what your story is, your art, you might be even offer a small piece of equity, you know, a different thing. Get, you can get creative, right? Uh, but but from that, I think if, if you have a great product, right, you're, you're an amazing artist. Um, that's the cool thing about digital and, you know, Web3 we're at right now is that the, uh, the, the barriers to entry are very low. Right. I mean, if you have something really amazing and you're social, right, you, you, you talk to people, you show them what you have, you, you know, start getting around into the marketplace is great. And the biggest thing is relationships. Find those artists, find people, talk to them. And then, yeah, content and, and just making sure, you know, that basically that, that, that you're active anyway. As long as you get your art in front of the right people, you get it, you know, talk to the artist one way or another. If, if you have something, the cream always rises to the top. Don't give up. Eventually. You'll break through and, you know, and again, if you have a project, collapse partnerships, you know, but also a thousand dollars, I mean, you would need quite a bit more just to even, you know, I mean, for the art and you know, that's the thing. You have to learn how to do many things yourself. If, if you want to come in and do something like that, you know, you have to be like a master of many trades, you know, so. Yeah, yeah of course. I want to throw out a, um, a really cool statistic that just came out from a report today too, just from the creator standpoint on, on the NFT side. Um, this was a report from A16Z that just came out today, actually, about the creator economy of 3.0, Web 3.0. Um, and so right now there's only 22,400 creators in this space, but each of those creators are averaging around $174,000 um, in, in revenue, which is amazing compared to uh, what I hear what, that I'm looking at right now. We have Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. Spotify is at seven billion dollars, eleven million artists, but they're averaging six hundred and thirty-six dollars per artist, right? Um, we have YouTube, two dollars and forty-seven uh, cents per average channel, and then Facebook, ten cents per average user. Um, so you see the huge discrepancy um, and difference between the the Web two side and the Web three side. And that's why, again, I love the Web three space. It's, that's it's crazy. crazy. Just to add a few more stuff you can do if you're strapping it. So I would suggest just partnering. You could partner with influencers or other communities that are not directly conflicting to your idea, your stories. Second would be um, social media and the outreach. A, a lot of you know people building Discord or Telegram or Reddit. You could just find pools of people who are into similar projects. They are already either investors or community members or whatever. You could find people there and try to either find ways to partner or try to get them uh, to your site. Just to give an example, on Reddit, when I build subreddits for different projects, we usually reach out to people who are already in NFT-related subreddits. And we use tools like Howitzer, which allow you to reach out to people on scale. 
similarly you can run social listening on uh, twitter or other platforms and invite people from there i think those are some economical ways to do it while ensuring that the audience that you get would truly be invested in what you're doing that's awesome mark richard thanks so much for coming on it's been phenomenally interesting for me where can people reach out to you if they have any questions? Yeah, sure. You can reach out on LinkedIn. My name is Mark Forchner. And also, if you'd like to reach Richard, Richard Scheifler on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Great, guys. Have a good rest of your day. It was awesome speaking. Thanks, it was a pleasure. Have a great day. See you soon. Likewise. Bye-bye.